Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Daily Dialectic Philosophy Podcast, where the only philosophy podcast where I mostly talk about basketball and some other stuff. Um, So I wanted to talk about basketball and politics and some other stuff. Um, I hope you enjoyed my last podcast. It was about Nietzsche and his critique of women. I think it was kind of a big hit. Um, Some people like paid to subscribe to it after they listened to it. That's how much they liked it. So, you know, if you're feeling it, then go ahead, give me a few bucks because, you know, your boy needs to drink some beer um, and it ain't cheap. Although, you know, I buy cheaper beers. I'm not buying craft beers for like $9, you know, so I can drink a fucking pine cone. No, thanks. I drink Budweiser's. But heavies, they're called sometimes. Um, and, you know, house rum. That's what I did tonight. I stopped before I got too drunk, though, because I wanted to be able to be coherent. Be coherent. Be, be coherent. I'm already not being coherent by singing a song about how coherent I am. Anyway, so I do live in Brooklyn. I'm sorry. Uh, but this is just kind of where I ended up, and I didn't know how to get out because I just kind of am here. Um, but I'm from Boston, originally so I'm, you know I root for all the Boston teams mostly just the Celtics cuz like who gives a fuck about the Red Sox or the Patriots at this point the Patriots don't have Tom Brady and the Red Sox suck like the Red Sox already won the World Series a few times so like it's fine the only reason the Red Sox were interesting is cuz they went 86 years without winning a World Series so like they were the underdogs but once they won you know who cares um but the Celtics are cool um so Kevin Durant who I'm sure you know one of the, he's like seven feet tall and he, you know, plays like a shoot. He has like the game of Michael Jordan, basically. Like George Gervin, if you know who that is. Um, but nobody his size should be like as smooth as he is. Like it's fucking insane. Like if you're going to envision the perfect basketball player, it would hands down be Kevin Durant 10 times out of 10. Um, so as you probably know, he uh, plays for the Brooklyn Nets which is a fake bullshit team here in the borough of Brooklyn in New York, New York shitty. Uh, the Nets, they were in New Jersey for like 30 or 40 years. Uh, and they sucked ass forever. They were never anything. Um, they had like Jason Kidd in the nineties, uh, but that was pretty much it. And they moved to Brooklyn in like 2013 or 2012 because like, Brooklyn was very popular at that time. And like, it was, you know, like, oh, hipsters are here. They have bars that have like pickles or whatever. We got to fucking bring a professional team here. This is great. Um, So, you know, they brought the stupid nets here and they put it, they built this horrible, disgusting, ugly stadium called the Barclays Center. Um, if you go to downtown Brooklyn, it's right there and downtown Brooklyn used to be nice and now it's horrible. There's all this awful traffic because of the Barclays center, uh, and the nets play there and the New York Islanders did play there, the the long Island, New York hockey team. Uh, they played there for like three years, but then they moved them back to long Island, I think. Um, because like no one from long Island was bothering to come into stupid Brooklyn to watch them. So now it's just the nets. And, like, they have, I don't know, like, a Beyonce or fucking uh, Kendrick Lamar concert there sometimes, I guess. Um, But, like, not often. Like, it's pretty much empty space. Um, 
And they, you know, dislocated tons of people and all these businesses that had been in downtown Brooklyn for a long time uh, for nothing, for nothing. Uh, so it's a horrible fucking place. Brooklyn is a horrible place, but uh, in general. But the Barclay Center is a horrible place. Um, and the Nets are a fake bullshit team that nobody in Brooklyn gives two fucks about. Um, I was watching the playoffs in Brooklyn uh, earlier this year in May or whatever. Uh, so the Nets played the Celtics in the first round. And I watched all the games at various bars. And, you know, um, the, the Nets fans, they were just, you know, they were rooting for Kyrie. Uh, but they didn't even like Kyrie Irving. They were like, oh, come on, you fucking idiot. Like, you know, like they didn't actually like him. Uh, and Durant was playing too. Like they don't, they like them because they're star players, but they don't have any like real feelings for them. Um, it's just a fake team. They bring in all these like big name players, show ponies. That's all New York is like, nobody actually wants to be here. It's just like, Oh, you're famous. You're successful. So come, uh, come to New York. Blah, blah. Um, and that's all the nets are. There's no like base for Brooklyn nets fans here. It's a New Jersey team. Uh, so I, I've been to a few games and like, you see some like old school, fans there who who are like coming in from new jersey and like they clearly have been rooting for the shitty nets for like 40 years or whatever um but yeah like the nets are not important or interesting or nobody cares about them uh and so kevin durant he wanted to come here to team up with kyrie irving and james harden a few years ago uh and that fell apart horribly and so earlier this in like on june 30th i think it was um he demanded a trade out of brooklyn um and so the nets have been trying to trade him all summer but they were asking too much they wanted like everyone's three best players and like all their draft picks for the next 10 years or whatever and like no one was gonna no one was gonna gut their team and like just have kevin durant on their team because like kevin durant's awesome but like you know if you just have him you're not going to be able to do much um and so then, like, a couple weeks ago, he was like, uh, you have to fire the coach and the general manager. Um, and they didn't do that. And so I think today or yesterday it came out that, like, he's just going to stay there. <laughs> Even after he demanded to be traded and demanded that the fucking coach, who he handpicked, by the way. And that's already had a good coach, Scott Atkinson, who is sort of like Pat Riley vibes. If you know who Pat Riley was, he was the Lakers coach in the 80s. Um, he sort of like Kenny Atkinson kind of looks like Pat Riley and has like Pat Riley, uh, vibes going on. He was a good coach. He was very successful. Um, but for some reason, Kevin Durant didn't want to play for him. So he was like, no, bring in Steve Nash. Uh, and Steve Nash is a great player, but he, no coaching experience and he, he sucks. He can't coach at all. He's a piece of shit as a coach. Um, uh, you can't trust a Canadian to coach. Come on. Uh, Canadians can't have power. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, and yeah, and so this is how much of an asshole Kevin Durant is. He demanded the coach Steve Nash come in, and then he was like, "Oh, I don't want to play for him. You got to get rid of him." But he backtracked on all that, and he's you know going to stay in Brooklyn for another year, I guess, and try to make it work. And I bring this up because it's kind of the perfect like example of how Brooklyn operates and what Brooklyn is. Like. Nobody really wants to be here, but you just kind of, like, get stuck here. And you try to get out, but then you're like, oh, well, I'm here, so I might as well just stay here. And that's exactly what happened to Kevin Durant. Uh, and the, the, the fans in Brooklyn, they don't want to fucking, like, root for this team, but this is the team that's here. So they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'll go for it. 
And that is what New York is. Like, no one really wants to be here, but you're here. And so it's like, ah, okay. It's all, like, by accident and just, like, you know, you're forced to do it. So whatever. Um, So to me, that's what the whole Kevin Durant, Brooklyn Nets saga is about. It's about that. Um, And, you know, they're not going to do shit because basketball is all about chemistry. And they ain't going to have any chemistry because they're a bunch of assholes and they don't actually want to be here. Um, I think that's why like so many business, like startups and like businesses, whatever, like, uh, like working in New York is horrible. If you've had a job in New York, which I do, like no one wants to be there. (laughs) No one wants to be there. They're coming in. uh, They're like, Oh, it's Monday. I guess that's everywhere. But like, you especially feel it in New York. And like, people just want to get the fuck out as soon as possible. Like no one wants to be there. But, like, why are you here? Well, I just kind of ended up here. I thought it would be a good idea. But, um, so, yeah. Fuck Kevin Durant. Um, I can't wait for the Celtics to fucking destroy those pieces of shit again like they did in the playoffs last year. Anyway, speaking of the Celtics, I read a great book uh, earlier this week. Um, it's called Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics by Dan Shaughnessy. Dan Shaughnessy is a very great uh boston globe reporter the boston globe's like like the new york times of boston um and he has been like a like the main red Sox writer for i don't know like 35 years or so um before he was like the main red Sox writer um excuse me i just burped once again that's the booze um he was like the Celtics beat writer beat meaning like, I don't know if that's a thing anymore. You like, you used to travel with the sports team, like on the road and like you hung out with them in the locker room and like got quotes and like, you were just kind of like there and you wrote stories about them. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Cause everyone just like writes shit from Twitter or whatever. And that's why everything sucks. Uh, but in the eighties, uh, you used to travel with the team and like get to know the players and like, you know, and so the shit they wrote was more interesting. Um, and so that's what Dan Shaughnessy did from 1981 to 1986. He traveled with the Celtics all the time. Uh, so that's what his book's about. It's fucking great. Uh, I read it in like a day and a half or so. Um, and I'm a pretty slow reader. So, I mean, it's not that challenging of a book, but, um, and you should definitely check it out. I might email him to see if I can interview him. He probably won't come on though. Cause why the fuck would he? Um, but I laughed a lot while reading this book and it's pretty rare that I like laugh while reading a book. Um, unless it's like a Dave Barry book and I'm in fifth grade in like 1998 ish. Um, I don't know if I've laughed while reading a book since then. Um, but this is fucking funny because, uh, the Celtics in the eighties were very like the Larry Bird Celtics. Larry Bird was a fucking drunk. He was an alcoholic. Uh, he got into, so the, the Celtics lost, they won in 1984, they won the championship. And then in 1985, they lost because Larry Bird got into a bar fight and like fucked up his hand. And so he couldn't shoot for the whole finals. So if you look at his stats in that, in the 1985 finals, he sucked, uh, because his hand was all fucked up because he punched someone in a fucking bar fight. Um, and lots of fucking lots of great stories like you would never really see today like i don't know and like larry bird was drinking miller lights and bud lights or whatever and today i don't even know if players drink and if they do they're drinking like their own personal brand of like tequila like high-end tequila that you know they invested in or whatever and they're just like drinking sips of it on instagram um they're not like really getting drunk i don't know um 
but Larry Bird was drinking like 12 Miller, Miller lights every night at just like a bar in like a shitty part of Boston and just like people would come up to him and he would just be like, get the fuck away from me and he would start fighting them. Um, and like, it wasn't even that big of a story, like, you know, like, cause there wasn't social media back then. Um, but like the only reason people knew was because like he would fuck up his hand sometime from punching someone. Um, so there's tons of shit like that in that book. So very highly recommended. Um, there's a story about how they were, um, driving their team bus in some city, I forget which one, uh, and they were driving by this like auto dealership or like this car repair place. Um, and like the car repair place, there's gotta be a better word for that car repair place. I don't know. I'm, I'm drunk. Um, it had like a gorilla as the mascot and (laughs) when they were driving by it, um, one of the players, I think it was Larry Bird said, Oh, that looks like Quinn Buckner. Quinn Buckner was one of the black players on the Celtics in the eighties. Um, and so they arranged, and so they were like on the route from the arena to practice at the stadium they were visiting and their hotel. And so they had like one of the team flunkies or whatever, like one of the team trainers go to that auto repair place and put one of Quinn Buckner's jerseys on the gorilla. And so they arranged to like drive by it again when they were, you know, leaving the hotel to go to the game the next day. And they made sure to stop and point to the gorilla and point out like, Hey, that has a Quinn Buckner jersey on it. Um, because the f- hilarious joke is that Quinn Buckner looks like a gorilla, um, which is not very nice and is very racist. And Larry Bird was like <laughs> the driving force behind that. And he thought it was fucking hilarious. Um, and he was friends with Quinn Buckner. You know, he got along with everyone. But Quinn Buckner did not appreciate it. And like, apparently, like, he still doesn't like to talk about it, even like 35 years later or <laughs> whatever, because it's pretty racist putting a Quinn Buckner jersey on a gorilla mascot not very nice. Um, so the, <laughs> those are just two off the top of my head, but there are so many more and it's really funny. Um, so definitely check out that book if you want an insight into how uh, fucked up NBA players used to be because like nobody really cared about the NBA in the 80s. It was a very transitional thing. So like in the 70s, nobody cared about the NBA, but then Larry Bird, Magic Johnson came in in the early 80s and then Jordan came in in 84 and then it really started to change but like still in like the early to mid 80s like the NBA was like an afterthought like uh, American sports was all about baseball and the NFL and like even the uh, NHL was a more important deal back then Um, and so NBA players like they could be total pieces of shit and like nobody cared Um, and it was just really funny Um, anyway um more basketball stuff. Kobe Bryant, his birthday apparently was yesterday, August 23rd. Um, So lots of Kobe Bryant stuff going around today. And he died two years ago, two and a half years ago, January, 2020 helicopter crash. Um, Really sad. Like, you know, as a Celtics fan, I never liked Kobe Bryant because he was a Laker and he beat us in a couple of finals, like 2010, 2009 and 2010, I think. I, I can't remember. But, yeah, he beat the Celtics multiple times. Um, Excuse me. And so I always hated him. But I don't know. Uh, Towards the end of his life, even before he died, like, I started to warm up to Kobe and, like, realize, like, oh, um, Kobe's kind of cool. Because he he became more open after he retired. 
Um, and he would talk about it. He was very generous with his experiences and his like knowledge that he gained. And he knew a lot because, you know, he's very athletically gifted, but he approached the game of basketball in a very cerebral way. And like everything that he did had a reason behind it. Like everything he did was totally planned out. Um, and that's why he was so good. Um, and like, yeah, he was gifted, but nobody worked harder than him either. So it was both. Um, and like usually people who are very naturally talented, like Kobe was, they don't put in the crazy amount of work that he did, but he did both. Um, and like, it was all intentional and he like knew all about what he was saying and doing. Um, and yeah, he started to become very open and like shared all of it in a very interesting way. And it's too bad that he died because he had a lot to offer and he was, you know, in his early forties. So you know, he should have been around for such a long time. Um, and so many young players looked up to him. So it's just really sad. Um, and also there was a story, I think the court case like settled recently, actually, that um, Vanessa Bryant, his widow, she sued uh, the like Los Angeles Police Department because they were like laughing about um, photos taken of his helicopter crash like she somehow found evidence of like shitty racist los angeles police officers like passing around pictures of kobe's dead body and his daughter's dead body because you know his daughter died with him and there were like six other people who died in that helicopter crash um apparently like cops were passing around crime scene photos and like laughing at them and that was on camera or something uh like why do that and so she sued the um I think the police department, yeah, the Los Angeles County Sheriff and Fire Department. Uh, and so it was a pretty quick trial, I think. They just got a verdict uh, that Vanessa Bryant got $31 million in damages uh, because the Los Angeles Sheriff was laughing at Kobe's dead body. Like, why the fuck do that? Um, so, yeah, rest in peace to Kobe, legend. Um, Nobody loved basketball more than him. Um, yeah, I miss him, even as a Celtics fan. My man. Um, oh, there's a politics. I'm going to stop soon because I'm drunk. Uh, there's a politics thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, Florida Democratic primary winner could become first Gen Z member of Congress. Maxwell Frost. A 25-year-old former ACLU and March for Our Lives organizer was endorsed by prominent progressives, including Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Um, wow. He sounds like the coolest guy in fucking 2016. Holy shit. Uh, and so, you know, we're supposed to care that a Generation Z, a Zoomer, is in Congress now. Zoomer, it's like a millennial, but even more annoying and gay. Um, so he's 25, I guess, which is the minimum age you have to be to be in the House of Representatives. Um, and yeah, he won the primary. And so he has to run for the, in the general in November. Uh, and if he wins, he's going to be like the new AOC. He's going to be the Zoomer AOC. AOC is a millennial. And this guy is like her if she was younger and more annoying. Um, and apparently his big issue is gun control. Um, he's a March for Our Lives 
Advocate, which was like after the Florida Parkland shooting in 2017, one of the bigger school shootings, there was like a major like meme pop culture thing that happened where like the some of the survivors of the shooting became like anti-gun celebrities or something. Um, and they've had all kinds of weird like arcs on Twitter and, and various places, um, but they're all pretty much full of shit. Um, and yeah, so that's his big thing is he wants no more guns to happen. Um, and yeah, we're supposed to care because he calls himself progressive. Like, what does that mean? What does progressive mean? What is the difference between progressive and liberal at this point? Like Joe Biden, he's basically anti-gun. Joe Biden is not progressive at all. He, you know, doesn't claim to be. Um, and I think that's why he won is because he wasn't progressive. Um, and he's, I think, doing some minor anti-gun legislation. Like he's fairly anti-gun. Um, he, you know, it came out today that he's, abolishing some student debt which is fairly progressive so like what's the difference between these annoying zoomers and millennials who are running for office now and acting like they're like some kind of new thing or like what's the difference between them and joe biden like there isn't one really uh they have bernie sanders backing them oh wow bernie sanders backed fucking hillary clinton <laughs> like after bernie sanders cowardly uh, dropped out of the race he threw his support behind Hillary Clinton in 2016 and 2020. Um, wait, no, he didn't, she didn't run in 2020, um, but in 2016. Uh, but yeah, in 2020, Bernie Sanders backed uh, Joe Biden. So if Bernie Sanders is supporting you, doesn't mean you're progressive. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren also is supporting Maxwell Alejandro Frost. It's his full name. Um, so yeah. Like, how long do we have to pretend that this matters or that these people are different or that they have anything that distinguishes them from Joe Biden? Because they don't, other than, like, <clears throat> being against gun violence. First of all, nobody likes gun violence. Nobody's like, oh, I support gun violence. No. Um, <laughs> even people who support the NRA, they're not like, yeah, we hope people die because of guns. They just support guns. Uh, so... You know, I guess this guy is against gun availability. Um, so, you know, that that's nice. Uh, it, people would probably die less if there weren't as many guns around, maybe. But this is America, and America is about two things only. It's about making money and owning guns. And those two things will never change. As long as there's an America, it's just going to be make money have guns. That's it. Uh, so like, it's not, and if, if there was going to be any kind of progress in gun control, it probably would have happened by now. But, you know, cause Columbine was like 25 years ago. And like, ever since then, the same liberals have been saying the same shit. Like we have to make it hard. We have to do something about guns. And there's been so many school shootings since then way worse than Columbine. Columbine's like a mid-tier school shooting compared to some of the other ones we've had. Jesus Christ. And still nothing is going to happen. Nothing will ever happen. They're not going to take guns from Americans. They're not going to like meaningfully limit gun access ever. So like running as an anti-gun guy, like it sounds nice, I guess, but will never change anything. Um, so if you read the articles about Maxwell Alejandro Frost, 
Um, you know, it's like AOC 2018 all over again. It still hasn't, it still hasn't fully sunk it in. I just feel incredibly blessed, incredibly humbled. Oh my God, we're going to shake things up. Um, you know, it makes no difference. He's, he has no experience. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Uh, he's going to be corrupted by the system, which is what happened to AOC and to the whole squad and whatever. Like we've tried this squad thing of like this, you know, coterie of young progressive leftists who are going to shake up the system, man, but it didn't happen. We've had the squad, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar and others uh, in power for, you know, four years now. Do we have Medicare for all? Do we have a Green New Deal? Do we have gun control? Do we have this or that? No, we have precisely Jack and shit and Jack left town. Uh, And so that's all this is going to be. So I don't see why we have to keep caring about this. And, you know, the role of Bernie Sanders in all this is to like give his stamp to these people and make it seem like, oh, wow, uh, they're, you know, doing something different. And I'm Bernie Sanders and I am recognizing them and they're really shaking things up. So Bernie Sanders takes basically mainstream Democrats like AOC and Maxwell, Alejandro Frost now and others and gives them the, you know, gloss of um, being different and progressive, whatever the fuck progressive means. It means nothing. Uh, so there was a race in New York actually yesterday, um, where I live in Brooklyn. Uh, and I was walking around yesterday and lots of, you know, people were asking me to, to, um, like vote. And I was like, no, no, thank you. Um, and it was between this guy, Daniel Goldman, Goldman, (laughs) Goldman, um, And Mondaire Jones. Um, and there were lots of ads. All like I couldn't watch a YouTube video or whatever without seeing an ad for Daniel Goldman versus uh, Mondaire Jones in the uh, primary election for New York's 10th congressional district. Um, and so the pro-Mondaire, what's a Mondaire? I don't know. Mondaire Jones ad was like, Daniel Goldman's a typical insider, but... Um, but Mondaire Jones is progressive. And they said progressive like it means something. They didn't say what made him progressive in the ad. There's like progressive Mondaire Jones. Um, I guess, you know, he's, so he's black and openly gay. Uh, and he, I, I guess he was the congressman. He was the sitting congressman. He was the first openly gay black congressman. Uh, and his term is going to end in January 2023 because Daniel Goldman beat him. Okay. So apparently Mondaire Jones was already in Congress as openly black gay guy. Openly gay black guy, not openly black. He was also openly black. Um, <laughs> um, he came out of the closet as black. Uh, so he, apparently he was already in Congress for a term in the House of Representatives, which, which I guess is like two years. So he was in there for two years. Nobody fucking heard about him. He didn't do shit um, except be openly gay and black. Fantastic. Um, Very important. Um, And yeah, and so he ran against this Daniel Goldman guy who's more of a mainstream Democrat. Um, 
And in the ads, I saw some pro Daniel Goldman ads uh, as well. And, you know, it was positioning him as like against gun control, against guns and, you know, against Wall Street cheats. Um, That's what they said in the Daniel Goldman ads. Like he's against Wall Street cheats as if like you can be on Wall Street and not be a cheat. Like Wall Street itself should not exist. The whole point is to like subtract money from humanity and, and enrich a tiny fraction of people like the whole thing is fraudulent and should not exist um so you know daniel goldman is basically like elizabeth warren style democrat um and he beat Mondaire jones who's a progressive um because being a progressive doesn't mean jack shit and again he was already in congress for two years and did nothing so i think it's good that he lost we need to get these fucking people out of there um, just replace them with mainstream Democrats because it's the same thing. There's no difference between Mondaire Jones and Daniel Goldman. So why not just have Dan- mainstream Democrats like Daniel Goldman in there? Um, because it like makes there be less of a, I don't know, um, fantasy that we can have these progressives in there who will change things because they won't. Um, so that was interesting. Okay, well, there's your sports and politics roundup for tonight, folks, on a philosophy podcast. Why? I might talk about philosophy next time um, if you're lucky. Okay, thanks. Bye.